Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Logan Paulson's one of my favorites, uh, and I think he is for many of you as well. Uh, He played for Dan Quinn in Atlanta uh, in 2018. He, He was in the 49ers organization with Adam Peters. So Logan's obviously a guy with with great perspective to begin with, but in this particular case, he's got personal relationships that really shed light on both of the two biggest uh, additions to the Washington franchise. Uh, I had him on my podcast yesterday. I wanted you to hear a significant part of it where he talks about Quinn and Peters, and I started off by asking him, what is Washington getting in Dan Quinn as its head coach? Yeah, I don't know if everybody's watched the press conference, but I think you're getting that guy. I mean, that's authentically him. And I think what that guy is is a guy that understands culture at the highest level. Like I've said this numerous places, but I I never had more fun going to work every day than when I was at Atlanta, you know, obviously from a head coaching position. Like I really enjoyed my time with Kyle in San Francisco. I really enjoyed my time in Chicago because of the position coach I had there. But from a cultural perspective, a guy that just understood how to make it fun and relate to guys at the highest level, I think that's what you're getting. And I think the other thing about Dan that I've always appreciated, um, you know, in my year and a half interaction with him was that he was always a guy who was looking to get better and looking to improve. And I think you saw that in the press conference as well. I think he was a guy that said, you know, I did this really, um, you know, like introspective analysis of my time in Atlanta and why it didn't go well. And I came up with some solutions and I wanted to make sure I did do that again. And I think it's so hard for, you know, head coaches, guys who are supposed to have all the answers all the time, to say, man, I didn't have the right one here, and get that corrected. So I think there's a there's a special person that can lead the way he leads, but also be humble enough to say, hey, I made a mistake here, and let me get this corrected. So I think you're getting a very, very special uh, special coach, but also I think probably more importantly, like a very special human being. You said culture. Can you be more specific about what culture, good culture, means? in an NFL organization or, you know, on the football side of an NFL organization? Well, I think it depends on the organization and the situation. But I think, uh, you know, like one of the reasons I say Atlanta was a good culture is I felt like the guys cared about each other. They cared about winning. They cared about working hard. And the coaches cared about the players, and they brought a tremendous amount of energy each and every day uh, to, to that process and to the process of winning. So I think that, that to me defines a good culture. You know, Mike's culture here when I was in Washington was a little bit different. You know, it was a little bit 
more hands off, a little bit more mature in a, in a sense. Like, and what I mean by that, it was just kind of like, I trust you to be adults. The, the locker room at the time was com- composed of older guys. And so they were able to um, kind of handle that culture, set the standards, set the work standards, set the physical standard of practice. And it was a great culture to be a part of. And obviously it's different. So I think, you know, one of the things that Dan pointed out was it's like, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a piece of the culture. I help define the culture. But ultimately, like, I have to empower the people, the players, the coaches in the building outside of myself to define and create their own culture. And I think that's the thing about this dynamic here with Dan that's so unique. Is like I've, you always hear, oh, this guy's a culture builder. This guy's a – and, you know, Harbaugh has a culture. Bill Belichick has a culture. Very different. But I think a true culture happens organically, and it's created by the people you bring into the building. So I think like that's why – in the press conference, I was so impressed that he kept referencing, you know, Adam Peters' involvement in the culture and, and bringing the right type of people into the building. You know, they want guys that love football, the tough guys, right? And I, I just think back to 2012, you know, that was the most success I ever had playing in the NFL. And we had tough leaders. We had guys that set a standard in practice. London Fletcher is one that comes to mind every single time I think about not wanting to do something. I'm like, London wouldn't let that slide. And so I think, like, that's a huge part of it. So, again, this is maybe not the answer you're looking for, but I think it's a flexible thing. I think it's defined by the people you have in the building. And I think, um, I think I'm really glad that Dan understands that. Yeah. Caring about each other, caring about winning, caring about working hard. Um, that all makes sense. Uh, and I was going to mention to you just the Adam Peters thing. One of my takeaways, and I want to get your take on it. Um, and I thought it was a bit of a theme to the introductory press conference was, it's not about scheme. It's not about plays. It's about a player trait. It's about certain traits they want in players. He called it the secret sauce. Dan Quinn did. Adam Peters referred to the silent tape when you put it on. And when, as they were talking about it, both in the exact same way almost, multiple times, I just thought of Debo Samuel and George Kittle, more than some of the Dallas players, to be honest with you. Um, just uh, guys that in recent years I've referred to the 49ers as someone who's watched the NFL's entire life. I don't think I've ever seen a team that's harder to tackle. Um, like right. they've, that have had so many players that are just impossible to get to the ground with one or two people. And I thought of those guys like that's they want hard, physical you know, and competitive as hell. And that stood out to me that they're on the same page in terms of what the actual roster should look like. Yeah, no, I think that's that's extremely important. I'm really glad you brought up San Francisco because I think that's maybe the best example that I've seen in recent history of of guys <clears throat> of, of a staff, Adam Peters, John Lynch, um, Kyle Shannon, understanding that that secret sauce, that secret sauce, that silent tape. Because I know everybody looks for players like that, but finding players that a fit your offensive coach's vision and that are actually that way, I think, is really challenging. So I don't know what their process was for finding those guys, but finding tough guys that love football. I mean, that's like the gold standard for any talent evaluation. You know, I do I do my draft stuff every single year. I've gotten through about 100 guys so far, and you know, they're all good football players. But the ones that are going to be special and elevate your roster and take you to the next level are the guys that are competitive, that are fighters, that love the game, that are passionate about getting better. And you can see that on film. And I think that's what San Francisco is. They're a whole roster of people built that way. I think there's a reason Detroit looks a certain way. I think there's a reason that Baltimore looks a certain way, right? Because they have a bunch of guys like that. But I think it's interesting that they're able to find those pieces and make them fit within the schematic elements and schematic parameters of what they're defining. So I love the fact that 
Dan Quinn and Adam Peters are on the same page with regard to that vision. Another thing I love about what Dan said was like, I want guys with special traits that fit that quality, right? I want the corner with 34 inch arms. I want the tall receiver. I want the lightning fast guy. You can maybe touch the football and I want to find ways to maximize those skill sets. And I thought that's exactly what you want. You want guys that maybe aren't, you know, the top 50 picks in the draft, but a guy that's in there in that 75 range in terms of numerical draft order and say, this guy has a trait that we can maximize, and I know we can maximize it because he's a tough son of a gun and he loves football. And I just think that's a, that's a brilliant vision, and it's a great starting point. And, again, execution is hard, but I think you've got a guy in Adam Peters who's done it before and a guy uh, in Dan Quinn who is an excellent football coach, like I mentioned, and understands how to maximize those players' unique abilities, much like Kyle Shanahan did with Debo Samuel. So they've, you know, they've described the kind of players they're looking for. You've described it even further. So who on the current roster, you know, absolutely stands out as an Adam Peters, Dan Quinn guy? Yeah, I mean, I think that's going to be the million-dollar question because one of the things about Dan that I think is awesome is that he's able to impassion people and help them love football in a way they didn't know they could. But guys that stick out from a play standpoint, I think especially the second half of this last year, Quan Martin. Uh, Percy Butler, guys that play with a tremendous emotion and passion, which I love to watch. I think John and Duran, I think, fit that vision in terms of guys that are, are tough guys and that are very physically gifted. I think Dan will do a good job, again, of putting them in the best positions to be successful. Offensively, I think Brian Robinson, you know, uh, people talk about how does he fit in Cliff's offense. I don't really care because I think he's a tough son of a gun who, again, when you talk to him about football – he just lights up in a way that is so unique. And so I think those types of guys are people that I, I think you want to build around. You want pieces around. Sab Cosme, you know, even even um, Andrew Wiley to a certain extent. Like, you watch Andrew, like, and he has some physical limitations, but dude loves football. And so I think there are some pieces there on that offensive line. Terry McLaurin, obviously, is a guy that, you know, I, it goes without saying. He just is passionate. Uh, the way he plays speaks for it. So I think there are some pieces here that get you excited if I'm Dan Quinn saying, these dudes love football and they're tough, and we can always make that work. You know, we got to maybe find the right role for them and the right usage pat- pattern, but at least they've kind of checked the first two boxes, and those are the most important. Yeah, the first two guys I thought of were Brian Robinson Jr. and Quan Martin, and then I actually thought about yeah. Kalik Hudson as well. I know he is yeah. tiny and undersized, but I don't know if anybody tries harder than he does on the team. I think that's a great point. And again, like that's the thing that gets me excited is Dan understands like he's got a passion for talent evaluation. He's got a passion for coaching. And so he's going to say, this guy, Kalik is tough and he loves ball. How do we maximize him? Is he, you know, maybe our, you know, maybe he's our nickel guy or Buffalo nickel guy, or maybe he's our special teams ace, whatever that is. We're going to have a role for players like that here. And I think that's something that I find very encouraging. Yeah, I think the two young defensive ends, too, um, will have. Potentially, uh, yeah. You know, in in Henry and and Jones Jr. Um, So I I do want to talk about Kingsbury, but real quickly, specific to scheme wise defensively, the one thing that was interesting about Dallas this year, yeah, playmaking, tackling in space, explosive, et cetera, and they had all those injuries, digs, et cetera, but they really weren't physical up front against the run this year. That was really their Achilles heel. I would imagine that's going to be an emphasis for Quinn here. What kind of defense do you see him playing schematically? Well, I think the thing that, I again, gets you fired up about a press conference is obviously there's a defensive skeleton there that he's run for a couple of years. 
that Witt has run for a couple of years in Dallas that I think is going to be the starting point. But the thing that I love to hear from a head coach, I love to hear from coaches in general, is like, you know, what's this going to look like in three years, four years, five years, and how can we be ahead of the curve defensively? So I think Dallas does a lot of good stuff uh, from a coverage disguise standpoint. I think they understand how to tie pressure to coverage in a really nice way. I think they, they coach the heck. They coach the absolute heck out of that defensive backfield, and they maximize those guys, which gets me excited. And again, to your point, like stopping the run. Like uh, you, there are elements of kind of being a little undersized, and that's a personnel choice. I think a, a vision they they decided to make. But if you look at the roster here, like they're not going to be undersized or undermanned up front. They've got two of the best defensive players on the interior in the NFL. So I think they can really rely and lean on those guys to do what they've done. They've got big John Ridgeway. They've got big Phil. They've got different body types here. So I'm really curious to see, you know, obviously in Dallas, very specific. They kind of had all these undersized, hyper-athletic pass rush specialists. Now they've got, they've inherited something a little bit different. So how do you now maximize this group of playmakers? And uh, what, what shape does the defense take to kind of, again, improve and, uh, and help kind of show the talents of this this roster that you have as it exists. And obviously over the next couple of years, that's going to change. But going into 2024, like what does that look like is, is my big question, and that's something I'm excited to see. All right, tell me about your reaction to Cliff Kingsbury being the offensive coordinator. You know what? It, it, was, it, was, it kind of went in waves. Like I'm sure like I do with everybody. At first I was kind of like, oh, you know, that's a big name, you know, kind of a college guy. Then I was like, Logan, like you're making all these judgments. Let's go watch some films. So I went back and watched, I want to say, three or four, four games from 2021. And I was like, man, there is some really innovative and exciting stuff about this offense. I think he understands how to space the field in a nice way, how to create conflicts for defenders just based on formation. I think he knows how to exploit matchups. I think he also understands how to manipulate space, specifically in the passing game. And so I was like, man, like, you know, Dan, the way he described in the meeting, you know, like all the traits that Kyle has in his offense, you know, stressing defenses horizontally, um, putting guys in conflict, challenging rules. You see elements of that from Cliff. It just looks different in terms of presentation. I think the one thing that I'm still a little bit concerned about is, like, obviously Cliff is a pass game guy, and that shows up because his pass game stuff is excellent. But how do you kind of handle your protections? How do you handle the run scheme? In 2021, I thought they did some really nice stuff innovating, but a lot of that was around the quarterback running the football. So, again, they ran some counters, some traps, some tight zone stuff, but the really explosive, innovative stuff was from Kyler Murray. So how do you do that here? How do we kind of continue to push the envelope, not only from a passing game standpoint, which again, the air raid is always innovating from a pass game standpoint, but now how do we apply that same level of hunger and detail orientation to the run game? So I think I come out of it thinking, wow, I think Cliff is a smart, after just watching four games, I haven't talked to him. I think Cliff's a smart guy. I think he's very innovative. I think he understands football at the NFL level check all those boxes. I think he understands how to manipulate space and manipulate defenses and manipulate certain coverages. I love all that. I just want to know, like, can you apply that same level of detail to the run game? Or do you need to make sure you hire somebody um, to kind of fill in that blind spot? Like, is that the offensive coordinator or the, uh, the run game coordinator, like your offensive line coach? Do you need to bring in like a Bill Callahan, quote unquote, just as an example, to kind of offset some of that um, to, to, to make sure you're productive in that other element of the game? I don't know. But um, I'm, I'm, I, I find myself today excited about the hire with a couple reservations that I think can still be resolved 
as long as the staff comes together in a nice way. I mean, you've done a nice job describing it, but I want you to simplify it because I think everybody Good. who watches football who's listening to this, they, they understand the different offensive schemes that have worked in football and the predominant one now, which we always refer to, obviously, is the Shanahan tree scheme, which you see the quarterback under center more. We see, you know, a lot of zone inside, outside, a lot of marriage between that run game and bootleg quarterback keeper play action, etc. This will look different, right? This is going to be a lot of shotgun yeah. with the quarterback, even in the run game. And depending on who they draft, the quarterback potentially being a big part of the run game. Yeah, 100%. It's definitely going to look probably more like the offense did last year than it would look like Kyle Shanahan. I think Cliff has the ability to do some of those things that you described. But again, remember his background. It's this air raid background. Right. That The basic kind of starting point is two-by-two two, <clears throat> two two drop-back passing. And so, like I said, Cliff has a really good understanding of that. I thought like, there's a couple plays in the second, in the Week 9 matchup from 2021 that I thought were great, right? They get to a three-by-one. They got Christian Kirk as number three. They run a jet motion with the back to kind of help with the protection. They run the slide away from the jet action. And then they end up getting Christian Kirk running a deep cross on the backside post, on the backside safety, who's actually a hook player. <clears throat> it ends up being like a 70-yard bomb. Wasn't that so the Colt I, Mc- I was that the Colt McCoy game or not? That is the Colt McCoy game. Yeah. Absolutely right. Because I watched Look some of that you. too. Look. Were they di- Were they different? Was he different with Colt than he was with Kyler? Yeah, he was different. I think, yeah. you know, the RPO stuff is still a part of it, but the execution's a little bit different, right? So you're still getting those kind of unusual formations. There was one where they got a wide bunch, and, you know, they're reading the backside end, and they hand the ball off. But the thing about that that I want to just point out about that specific example is they're able to create positive numbers in the run game. And so if you're going to line up poorly to this, this kind of unusual offensive formation – there are ways to exploit it, and I think that's the thing. It's like it might not be the most natural thing to my eye who comes from this much more, uh, much more um, kind of nuanced run game, but that works. That, that, that principle works. It's just about consistently being able to execute that and consistently being able to innovate off of it. And I think there's enough of those types of plays. There was a, another great example is they're in this bubble screen. They, in a two-by-two, two, they shift, and they end up creating a four-by-one but they've got Rondell Moore in the backfield. They swing him out to the left, and the San Francisco 49ers don't match it correctly because they didn't get it communicated. So I, I think there's a good understanding of, of taking this air raid principle, putting a little window dressing on it, and continuing to evolve that system. So I'm excited about it. it just, it's it's going to look different. And the other question I have is, you know, how are we going to consistently run the football if we're in gun all the time without a quarterback that can move a ton? So those are the questions that need to be answered. And again, Staff still still needs to be filled out. A lot of personnel decisions still need to be made, so I'm reserving judgment on that. But I am more excited today than I was when I heard about the original hire. You know, it's funny, as you mentioned Rondell Moore, um, I actually thought of Curtis Samuel. Um, now he's, you know, they're going to have to re-sign him, and he's a bit older, but there are a lot of similarities between Moore and Samuel. Like Samuel would have – if they didn't have any other options in the draft, free agency, et cetera – he would play that Rondell Moore role from the Arizona 21 offense anyway. Oh, yeah, I think 100%. I think the other thing, you know, like I said, I'm doing a lot of deep dive on the draft. There's a lot of guys yeah. like that this year in the draft. Like, this is a very saturated receiver market from a draft standpoint. So you can find your Rondell Moore, quote-unquote, in this draft, like a hyper-twitchy guy who can touch the football from the backfield. So 
even if you don't re-sign Curtis Samuel, it should be great to have him back. He was a very productive player for the team this year and a guy that you know I love watching play. But if that doesn't work out, I think there's opportunities to fill that type of role in the draft this year. You know, air raid for a lot of people has meant over the years, you know, five eligibles, no tight ends. Um, but Ertz was productive in the Kings' very offense. He was extremely productive. And, I, and again, I just want to point that out. I think that's a great example of him finding matchups with a playmaker and then maximizing the playmaker. I think that's been a big criticism of the offensive coordinators over the last couple of years here is like, how do you maximize Terry? How to maximize Jahan? How do you maximize Logan Thomas? All these different types. Curtis Samuel, name your guy. How do you maximize him? And I think with the Ertz example is you see him understanding what Ertz does well and how to put him in good positions to be successful. So, again, it's the innovation, the growth of that offense into the NFL system, the understanding of playmakers, and how to exploit matchups. I think the thing that – yeah, so, again, I'm, I'm really excited. I just wonder about the depth with which this goes because, again, when you're in kind of the same formations, uh, same personnel frequently, right. it becomes hard to be multiple and varied. But I think you see him be very successful early in the NFL season – because he is doing some really exciting, innovative football stuff. One other comment on that particular team. I just think Kyler Murray was limited. I think the size really limited maybe what they could have been offensively, meaning I think in some ways he probably got the most out of Kyler Murray that he could get out of him. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things about Kyler, when you watch them, is you realize, man, like Kyler is a dynamic playmaker. And, I, and again, like this is a credit to Cliff, and, I'm, and I don't know if the credit deserves to go here, but I'm going to give it to him because he's the OC, he's the head coach, is they built an offense that maximized what Kyler does well, you know? And so is that limiting them, or are they maximizing a quarterback? I couldn't speak to that, but I just wanted to put that out there as something to maybe consider uh, when watching that film. It's like, you know, maybe if they do get a guy like Drake May, who's a little bit more traditional in terms of body type, I think the offense that Cliff is going to construct and the, and the offense Cliff is going to emphasize will look different than the one they had with Kyler Murray. If they get Jaden Daniels, it'll look different than the one they had with Kyler Murray. Um, you know, if, if they had Joe Milton, just as an example, they're not going to draft Joe Milton, but the offense would look different to kind of fit that skill set. I think that's something, again, in addition to all these other things that I've mentioned, yeah. gets me excited because I think there's a flexibility and an understanding there that I, that I think is very exciting. I mean, you coach. I, th- I, I would imagine that you think the best coaches are the ones that look at what they have and then figure out how to make them work rather than saying, here's my system and forcing it to, to try to work. Uh, and that's, Yeah, no, I think it's 100% right. And you're describing him as that. All right, a couple more for Logan. So Adam Peters, you, you were in San Francisco uh, briefly. Just give me an overarching theme of the Adam Peters hire since I haven't talked to you in you know a month or so. Yeah, I mean, I think Adam Peters is fantastic. Again, like all the same things I said about Dan, like just this tremendous human being that's very good and very smart at football, I think also apply to Adam. Like he is the stories of his kindness and his understanding of the player's plight while also being a tremendous talent evaluator are like they're they're very numerous, you know, and a lot of those conversations I've had are off the record. But like my experience with him is he just was that guy. Like he'd come by, you know, and I'm again I'm like the third string blocking tight end in San Francisco. Like my role is not I'm not, you know, Pierre Garcon or any of these big time free But you were a UCLA guy. You were a UCLA guy, so maybe you had that that connection. Yeah. That is true. But but he'd come and say what's up and hey man, how's the family and all this stuff and then 
you know, when I bumped into him, you know, before he took the job here at the San Francisco game, he said hi to me. He recognized me. Hey, Logan, what's going on, man? Great to see you. Like, oh, come, come back, say what's up to some. And I just think there is a that, that personality is so rare. And to get two of like literally the best people that I've met in the industry, like Adam Peters and Dan Quinn, together in the same building, like it's hard for me to imagine that this is going to be something tremendously special. And then also, I think I have to point this out: like when you talk to people around the league about Adam Peters. They say his ability to understand what they value in the schemes that they're running is incredibly high. And his ability to find those pieces to fit that scheme is incredibly high. So not only a great person, but just an incredibly gifted and talented um, evaluator of football players and understanding how they fit in the scheme. I, it just gets me really excited. that Because, it, again, it's, it's not the Dan hire in isolation. It's not the Adam hire in isolation. It's both those guys together. I think it's going to make this pretty special. When they were here on New Year's Eve, I think it was, did you pitch them on the opportunity here? <laughs> well, I just said, hey, man, like, you know, I kind of was joking. I was like, hey, you know, like, he's got two little girls. And I was like, uh, you know, they've got really good youth soccer out here. I'm sure they'd love it, you know, <laughs> they play soccer and all. You know, and he, like, he was like, oh, I don't know about that. But, uh, you know, look at him now. He's out here and uh, looking for youth soccer leagues. Logan Paulson, uh, yesterday on my podcast, we then got into quarterbacks for the upcoming draft that he liked, um, and he was great on that as well. Uh, always enjoy having Logan on, and he joined us courtesy of our BetQL guest hotline, Bet Smarter, Beat the Books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. Uh, Chris Russell this afternoon, 2.15, all right, a little less than two hours from now, Dan Quinn will be on the show with Russell. Uh, we will get Dan Quinn on the show, all right? I promise you. Uh, probably sometime next week. We'll see how it goes. Uh, all of our Super Bowl coverage this week, and we've got Super Bowl trivia coming up. Phone lines are open, 301-230-0980. Your chance to test your Super Bowl trivia against uh, three levels of questions, a fairly um, easy level to begin with, although not as easy as you might think, followed by a hard level, and then a very difficult third question if you get to that level. If you get all three of them, you win a pair of tickets to see a Caps, Wizards, or Terps game. Uh, you'll Your choice, um, 301 230 0980. The phone lines are open for that right now, and we'll start Super Bowl trivia when we come back. All of our Super Bowl discussion this week is presented by Solo Stove. Feel the heat of the world's most popular smokeless fire pit. Solostove.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.
All right, time to play some Super Bowl trivia. We've had one winner this week, Daniel in Elkridge uh, on day one, which was Tuesday of Super Bowl trivia, got all three questions right. I gave him a teed-up level three question. Didn't realize I was doing it. That won't happen again. 301-230-0980. Our Ace Law listener lines are open. Interact Ace Law helps you get a check. Call 8888 Ace Law. Three levels of questions. Uh, you know, fairly gettable one in round one. If you get that, you move on to level two, which is a pretty hard question. And then level three is diabolically uh, difficult. Uh, pretty hard to look up in 25 seconds or less. That's how long you have. Denton will keep the clock and count it down for you. Ronald in Greenbelt, are you ready to play Super Bowl trivia, sir? Ronald, you there? How you doing? Are yes, you sir. ready to play Super Bowl trivia? Uh, yes, sir. All right, let's let's do it. Um, uh, are you a Skins fan or not? Yes, sir. All right, let me give you a Washington level one question. All right, they've been to five Super Bowls. They beat four teams to get to those Super Bowls in the NFC Championship game. All right, there are four teams that Washington has beaten in an NFC title uh, game. You've got 25 seconds. Name them. Dallas. Yep, that's one. Minnesota's two. Detroit. That's three. Ten seconds. San Francisco. Very good. That's a good. Re- that's a good Skins fan. That's a definite gettable question, but you got to think back to the glory years uh, for sure uh, to get it. All right, we are talking with Ronald in Greenbelt. Ronald has advanced to a level two question. All right, here we go. I'm going to give you a level two question that I think anybody that has been around long enough like you have, or at least it sounds like you have, should get. Here we go. Name the player who in Super Bowl fourteen played on a broken leg. You've got 25 seconds. Go. Name the player who played Super Bowl fourteen with a broken leg. Is he Jack Youngblood? There you go. Good job. Good job. I wanted you to get to level three here. All right. um, Level three. Here we go with our first caller of the day. All right. uh, This I'm going to give you a very lenient 25 seconds on. All right. Because you got to come up with 13 different, uh, in this case, 13 different names. So I'm going to ask Denton to keep a very liberal clock here. Uh, We won't go to the replay at the end. We're going to give you a chance here. Level three question for Ronald. 13 quarterbacks selected number one, number one overall. First pick in the first round have started in Super Bowls. Name them. You got 25 seconds, liberal 25 seconds. 13 quarterbacks, number one, number one overall have started in Super Bowls. Go. Maybe Joe Namus. That's one. 
Dawson? Len Dawson is not correct. Uh, you were going kind of in order, and I like that chronologically to the Super Bowl. Um, no, Dawson's not correct. We were going to give you time there. That was not going to be a 25-second clock, um, but good try. That is a hard question and is not easy to look up as you are on the air. I actually found it a fascinating answer to uh, look through and, and look up over the years. Thanks, Ronald. Good try. Let's go to Tom in Wheaton. Tom, you ready to play some Super Bowl trivia? Yes. All right, Tom, did, are you a Skins fan? Sort of. Sort of. Okay, then I won't necessarily give you um, a Skins level one question. This is pretty easy, I think. Which two teams have lost all four Super Bowls they have played in? You've got 25 seconds. Go. Minnesota Vikings and the Buffalo Bills. There you go. That's pretty easy. That's an easy Super Bowl trivia level one question there for Tom. All right, let's go to level two. All right, level two as I look through. All right, here we go. Level two question for Tom. Who was the first left-handed quarterback to get a Super Bowl ring? You've got 25 seconds. First left-handed quarterback to win a Super Bowl. Go. I actually kind of feel that's a level one question. You should be able to get this. First left-handed quarterback. Uh, No, that's incorrect. Fran Tarkington was right-handed. Good good try. That was actually – that should be a level one question. When I just asked it, I'm like, how did I have that on level two? Um, Let's go to Mel, who's calling in from Point of Rocks, Maryland. Mel, you ready ready to play some? Is that Point of Rocks, Maryland or Virginia? I think it's Maryland. It's Mar- it's Maryland. Yeah, yeah, it's Maryland. All right, are you ready? Yeah. Are you a Skins fan, Mel? I am. I am. Let's let's do this. Okay. Um, a Washington related level one question. Uh, hold on for one second. I have to because we've had some. All right, here we go. Uh, if you're a hardcore Skins fan, you should be able to get this. It's not the easiest level one question, but I'm going to fire it at you anyway. There All have right. been four kickers who have kicked for Washington in their five Super Bowl games. Name them. You've got 25 seconds. Four kickers have kicked for Washington in their five Super Bowl games. Go. Uh, Low Miller. That's one. Mark Mosley. That's two. Was it Jess Atkinson? No. That's not a bad guess, though, because Jess, I think, was the kicker when they lost to the Giants in the NFC title game. Um, Mosley was the one that kicked in two Super Bowls for Washington. Uh, the uh, The 82 team and the 83 team, Mosley... Uh, kick twice. You got two of them. There are two others. I'll put that one back into the hopper. That's not an easy, even for a Skins fan, an easy level one, but it's gettable. Let's go to Ethan. Ethan's calling from Maryland. Ethan, you ready to play some Super Bowl trivia? Yep, I'm ready. All right. Are you a Washington fan? Yes, I am. Okay. Um, let me give you a Washington level question. Here it is. All right. 
Five Super Bowl appearances for Washington, right? What's the most points they scored in a Super Bowl game? And what is the least amount of points they scored in a Super Bowl game? 25 seconds, go. Um, the least is seven. Correct. And the most is 42. That's right. Very good. Got through the level one. That's... 42, I think, is the one that sticks out the most. But the first Super Bowl, 14-7, to uh, they lost to the Miami Dolphins. All right, Ethan, let's get to a level two question here. And here we go. Um, I think I asked that one yesterday. I did. All right. Uh, there have been five, five number 15s at quarterback to start in Super Bowl games. Name them. Five number 15s have started in Super Bowl uh, Super Bowl games at quarterback. Name the five. Go. 25 seconds. Bart Starr. That's one. Um, Earl Morrell. Very good. Earl Morrell, good. Two. Um, Jeff Hotstetler. Ten seconds. Very good. Mahomes. Three. Patrick Mahomes is four. Um, Five seconds. Oh. Uh, uh, almost. You did very well with that one. Were you doing that based off of memory or were you looking it up? Uh, I, I, I looked up one of them. Okay, that's fine. I mean, the first two levels you can you can use whatever you have at your disposal. Um, you got four of the five. Obviously, Mahomes is the quick, easy one. Uh, the one you missed would be the one that I would think would be the actual toughest uh, out of the five. Although you got Earl Morrill, that that was tough because he wasn't really the starter uh, for the Colts during those years, but he did start the Super Bowl game. Uh, in Super Bowl three, which was the biggest upset in Super Bowl history. All right, uh, Wayne, uh, John, Quinn, Nate, Ancor, stay on hold. We'll come back. We'll do one more segment of Super Bowl trivia. All of our Super Bowl coverage this week on the show um, is brought to you by our good friends at Solo Stove. Feel the heat of the world's most popular smokeless fire pit, Solo Stove. Dot com. Don't forget, 215 Dan Quinn with Chris Russell. NBA trade deadline day. The Wizards have reportedly put Kyle Kuzma off limits in any trades that are going to take place between the end of the afternoon. They did, however, move Daniel Gafford to Dallas in exchange for Rashawn Holmes and draft compensation. Buddy Heald's headed to Philadelphia. Xavier Tillman to Boston. Former Wizard Monte Morris to Minnesota. Otto Porter headed to Utah in a package that includes Kelly Olenek. Wizards lost last night to the Cavs 114-106. to 106. Jordan Poole is scoreless in 25 minutes. Kyle Kuzma had 28 for the Wizards. Donovan Mitchell had 40 to lead all scores. Caps in action tonight. They're on the road against the Panthers. Puck drops at 7. You can hear it on our sister station, 106.7 The Fan. And that's what's trending. More Super Bowl trivia to finish up the show. Again, Dan Quinn on the station, 215 today with... Chris Russell. Uh, let's go to Quinn in Rockville. Quinn, you ready? 
I am ready. Skins fan or not? Well, I hesitate to tell you I grew up at RFK Stadium. I'm afraid you're going to give me a kicker question or something on Tory Nixon. <laughs> no, I'm not going to give you a kicker question. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'll give you a really easy one. Who was the first oh, black quarterback to win the Super Bowl? Oh, come on, Doug White. <laughs> All right, good. I wanted you to get to round two. Here we go, round two. Um, By right. the way, I knew that. I didn't know. I couldn't think of Earl Morrill, but I know the other 15 quarterbacks. Yeah. Give me that um, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, all right, here we go. Which two starting quarterbacks won Super Bowls with two different teams? You've got 25 seconds. Two quarterbacks have won two Super Bowls with two different teams. Name them. Go. Uh, 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 Manning. That's one. Um, and Brady. There you go, too. That was kind of easy, too. Man, I'm giving it Quinn. Kind of nervous. I'm yeah, giving really Quinn nervous, easy man. questions. Wow. Really easy well, questions. We're celebrating, Dan, we're celebrating Dan Quinn. Come on. Um, all right. Hold on for one sec. All right. Here we go. Of the teams that have played in at least eight Super Bowls, all right, there are several franchises that have played in eight Super Bowls. Name the coaches of those franchises that did not win a Super Bowl that they coached in. Go ahead. you got 25 seconds. Let me be clear on that. Uh, there are franchises... There, of the franchises that have played in eight Super Bowls, all right, and I'll tell you right now, there are five franchises that have played in at least eight Super Bowls. Name the coaches of those franchises that didn't win one. Go. Oh, jeez. Oh, God. Um, 25 seconds. Uh, um, Broncos. Um. God, I can't think of his name. That's um, that's a good place to start. Ah, uh, ten um, seconds. Give him a little no, bit I'm more time on this it. one. I'm not going to get it. Um, Reeves. Reeves is one of them. Um. Uh, God, this is so complicated. <laughs> that's all right. I should know this. That's all right. Um, we'll we'll put. All right. Ooh. I think we've gone well over the. 25 seconds. Let me just say that one of the reasons I put this question in is because there is a coach coaching on Sunday that fits that description uh, in Kyle Shanahan. Um, That's a tough one. Thanks for playing. Appreciate it. Let's go to to Fred. Fred in Newmarket. Fred, you ready? You've gotten to level three a couple times today. You ready, Fred? I'm ready. All right, uh, Washington question to start, yes or no? Yeah, born and raised at RFK Stadium, baby. Okay. Um, what running back lost his helmet to start the game in Super Bowl twenty six? Got 25 seconds. A running back in Super Bowl twenty six couldn't find his helmet and missed the start of the game. Name him. And we shut him down the whole game. Thurman Thomas. There you go. Good job. Thurman Thomas is the answer 
to that question for Fred. All right, let's go to a level two question. Um, All right. Be kind, Kevin. Uh, Be kind, baby. Come on. I'm I'm trying to here. Uh, Okay. Here we go. Name the head coaches of the opponents Kansas City played in all of their previous Super Bowls. The head coaches that the Kansas City Chiefs played in their previous Super Bowls You've got 25 seconds. Go. Okay. All right. So the first one would be Vince Lombardi. Correct. Okay. Um, You've got, let me just tell you. Kyle Shanahan. Two. Ten seconds. You've got three more. Oh, God. You got two of them. One of them. I'm sorry, Kevin. I, that's all right. I, that's I all right. It's, t- it's it's t- it's a tough. The, the the Kansas City's faced uh, five different coaches in their Super Bowls. You got two of them: Lombardi and Super Bowl one. Then they won a Super Bowl against the Vikings in Super Bowl four. You missed that one. They obviously beat Kyle. Um, and they lost to Tampa and beat Philly. So for anybody paying attention, we may throw that one back into the hopper at some point, but probably not this year. Uh, let's go to Wayne in Springfield. Wayne, let's go quickly. You ready? Yep. All right. Uh, the 49ers won their first ever appearance in the Super Bowl. The Chiefs lost their first appearance in the Super Bowl. Name the two teams they faced in those games. The 49ers beat who, and the Chiefs lost to who in their first two Super Bowl appearances go? The Chiefs lost, and what's the other one? The the 49ers and Chiefs. The 49ers won their first ever appearance in the Super Bowl. The Chiefs lost their first ever appearance in the Super Bowl. 49ers beat the Bengals. Correct. And the Chiefs lost to? Chiefs lost to? Quickly. uh, New England. New England. No, they did not. They lost to Vince Lombardi and the Packers in Super Bowl I. All right. We We got to some level three questions today. So you guys did pretty well. For those on hold, try tomorrow. We'll do it for at least two segments tomorrow on the Friday before the Super Bowl. Tomorrow we will have Super Bowl picks, Super Bowl preview, Super Bowl smell test. Uh, Denton will tee up some prop bets that we will go through for the Super Bowl as well. Stay tuned again. Chris has the new head coach of your Washington Commanders on the show today at 2.15, Dan Quinn. Thanks to Gary Myers. Thanks to Logan Paulson. Back tomorrow. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 